fun day. What a fun morning. Um, you know, I got here and somebody stole my mints, man, my breath mints. I was a little bit bitter about that. And then uh, God gave us good news, okay? So uh, in the fellowship, my breath might be less than appealing to you. But I did brush my teeth last Wednesday. So just so you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I don't go a long time without doing it. Um, but wow, what a fun, uh, what a fun uh, time. For you guys to get engaged, I told Chelsea, I said, see what happens when you come back to Clemson? <laughs> it remi- it's like you, you come back to the promised land, and the Lord says, I will grant you a diamond ring when you do that. So that's just a little parable I want to say to everybody, you know, just think about that, okay? Um, but also, now, Bailey, how, much, how long, when are you moving home? No, don't start. Stay with me, right here, lock eyes with me. Do it. Um, I leave the 12th. The 12th. So Bailey is actually going to be moving back home, which that's going to be really cool. She gets to be with her family and all that kind of stuff. She says she likes the wolf pack better than the Clemson Tigers. She starts doing like, she gives me all of this, and, you know, and I'm like, whoa, that was uncalled for. But, uh, but uh, no, she promises that we'll always be her favorite people in the kingdom, and, um, and, and that's, that's how it should be. That's the way the Lord intended so, uh, so May 12th, so we have a little bit more time with you. Fantastic. Uh, finals coming up uh, this week. That's always great. This is like Black Sunday, right? I mean, this is like nothing good can come from this, and God is giving us encouragement, and some of you are refusing to take it right now because you're looking at the road ahead. Um, but, um, but really, it's, uh, it's great. It's great to see everybody. I, I, you know, I've Wearing shorts, got my new Converse on today. Didn't know church, didn't know church leaders were going to be here. <laughs> we're not going to let this get out. We've lost complete control here in Clemson. Okay, <laughs> no socks either. Now, see, I went this year like so. Each year, I get a different color Converse. I've done that since I was like eight years old. And so last year was navy blue. This year, I'm like I'm going white because my legs look so tan in these white shoes right now. So I'm just saying. Stop looking at my legs now. <laughs> it's inappropriate. <laughs> Hayes, I mean it. <laughs> You're making me feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway. Um, what's that? Boy, let me tell you. No, actually, this is further along than I usually am in, in April. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. All right, enough fun. We're trying to talk about Jesus here. Stop having any fun in this place of worship. This, this holy house that we live here, live in in Madron Center. Yes, it's true. Uh, isn't it great to laugh? You know, sometimes we just don't think we can do that, huh? I know. No, that's good. Um, so, um, hopefully... Um, on, on Wednesday, I gave you a 30 for 30, and I hope you did that. And the reason isn't just to have an assignment. Um, the reason is, is because, wow, man, there's a lot of pressure if you're kind of anticipating all the food to be given to you out of the pulpit this morning from Matthew 9, 37 and 38. But when you get into it, when you dig into it for a while, then it's like God is going to be able to speak to you. You're going to hear it. 
you know, and, and you may even come up with points and you're like, man, Keith didn't even say those points. That's great. That's perfect. Because there's no way that you can cover the gamut of what everybody is going through right now, or even what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, right? Isn't that true? And so that's so important. So if you, if you aren't doing that, if you're like, man, I don't have 30 minutes to dig into a scripture, that would be a great place to start right there, to go just listen to that statement. I don't have 30 minutes to look into this, okay? Because I'm saying, man, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to spend well more than 30 minutes learning about how he did it. That's what this whole series is about, of follow me. The whole series is about us learning how Jesus actually did ministry. How did he love people? How did he tell the truth? How did he call people to him in a way that wasn't weird, that wasn't this this strangeness, but it really was this idea of, hey, come and follow me and I'll mentor you. And you can come and watch and watch me, how I do life and how I make disciples. And I don't know if you're the same as me when I'm reading through the Gospels and I'm seeing how Jesus makes disciples. It's changing the way how I make disciples. It does. I mean, it is challenging. And, And sometimes we think like, oh, no, no, I already know the right way to make disciples. It's it's a certain formula to do it. And then you're looking at it and I'm going, Jesus, man, you're you're letting people follow you that I don't feel super confident following you. You know, I'm kind of scratching away at the surface, and I'm wondering about some of these guys. Maybe they need some more mature teaching, and Jesus is going, no, no, no. Here's what I want you to understand is follow me. Hopefully, you hear the Holy Spirit telling you that all the time. Follow me, okay? Here's the interesting thing. Most people in our city, most people in our state of South Carolina, in our region of the country, in in our country, most people have no problem with Jesus. Most people, regardless of what their affiliation is, what their even worldview is, respect Jesus even if they don't as as Lord. Most people, when you ask them about what their thoughts are about Jesus, it is like overwhelmingly positive. This is coming from communities that we would think, no, 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 certainly you would never follow Jesus. But here's where the problem lies is, is people say, I have a distinct problem with people who say they follow Jesus. Okay, and that may bristle you a little bit. You may go, I hate when preachers get all like that. Don't get all. You don't even know. People don't like us because we're being persecuted. Stop. Slow down just a little bit here, because I really think that we can do better at living like Jesus. I think we can follow him in a better way. I can. I think and I'm speaking for me that we can love better. Do you agree with that? Do you think you could love better? I think I can. I know I can love better the people that God has put in my life. And so the truth of the matter is I could say all I want. Well, that person doesn't know Jesus and that person doesn't get it and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing is, is very few times do people get ruffled when I love them well. All right. And so Jesus is coming in and remember he's, he's, he's bringing us to this point and hopefully you can tell the story of the gospel. Okay. Because the thing is, is, is the gospels aren't necessarily in chronological order but much of it is in chronological order. Like we do see in many cases that Jesus taught this before he taught this. Before he taught something more mature, he taught something more intermediate, more, more for beginners. Yeah. Okay, And so we want to see that, but could you do this? And why I'm saying that is because, man, this is for all of us to be able to do. Is Can I communicate the gospel the same way Jesus communicated the gospel? Can I tell the story from Matthew 4? That's where we started this exposition, 
five, six, seven. And we talk, Jesus methodically called people to him. And his first words was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's it. That is good news. We talked about that months ago. That is, God has not forgotten about you guys. God has not forgotten about me in all of our rebellion. He's like, I remember you. Now come and follow me, but turn from what you're doing and follow me. Like, that's the thing. Wherever we are right now, have I decided I will now in my life follow Jesus, the king? All right. But then he gets into, and we've gone over this, is, is the Beatitudes. He talks about how his kingdom is upside down. Amen. He says it's not going to be clean in the outside and telling everybody else what to do. It's going to be from the inside out. It's going to be treating people the way Jesus treats us. It's really his teachings go to that core is the, the essence of how much we know Jesus is how well we'll love each other. The more we know Jesus, the better we'll love. All right. And the entirety of his teachings is that I will be in you and you will then become me to everyone else. Okay. That Jesus will overflow. And that's what our goal is. And he gets to a section here in Matthew 9, 37, that we can, if we're not, if we don't know Jesus, we can turn Christianity into something that is like, you know, nine to five job, right? He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers into his harvest field, okay? If that's the only thing we ever heard of Jesus, that he had no other teachings before this, we would go, what it means to be a Christian is to be a worker. You know, a worker, like you go in and you put your time card in. Like, you know how it is at work. That's the most fulfilling part of your life, right? Is your job, right? Isn't it? I mean, when you think of your job, you're like, whoa, this is the great, unless you're Dave Ramsey, you know, who's like, oh, this is the greatest. But I'm just saying that most people, your job it's like, this is work, man. This isn't fulfilling to me. All right? And here's what happens when we take a snapshot of this picture. You know what can happen? We start talking to one another like, dude, a worker, nine to five. Come on, put your time in. Put your work in. We don't realize that he's already described what the worker will look like. Yeah. He already described it's going to be loving people and serving people. He's already described that it's going to be a worker who's changing from the inside out. He's already described that. So we've got to like... Set that aside. If in your mind you're thinking, no, 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 it's work. It's hard work. Don't be scared of work. Christians are scared of work. You need to go into... I'm saying, hey, slow down a second. <laughs> slow down just a second, okay? Is Jesus is teaching his workers they were going to do life a different way. It was going to be a different life. The way we interact with people are gonna be, is going to be different. It will be the work of God. Amen. The work of God is not like going to Clemson University and working or Duke Energy and working. It's not like going and like, hey, I'm going to go to Moe's and work. I'm so fulfilled by that. All right? It's like we're doing the work of God. But he says this. So there's a, there's a couple things of this passage. Hopefully you've read it on your own. You've studied it. If you go up a few verses, I hope all of you that did 30 for 30, I hope you did this. That you didn't stay in verse 37. That you were going, hold on a minute, there's a verse 36. And there's a verse 35. And there's a verse right. And here's what's crazy is, Jesus said he went from town to town. He went from town to town, preaching, teaching, healing. He was involved with people. And his conclusion, when he got his disciples together was, wow, these people are harassed and helpless. Like they are like sheep without a shepherd. 
Like they're aimless. It's just about like all sheep without a shepherd do. It's just they're in their own mind of survival, of their own appetites, of their own hunger. Okay. And he's going from town to town and he's going, his conclusion is, uh, wow, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As he looked around at all of these people. Now, what he knew wasn't going to happen was everybody wasn't going to go from town to town. He knew that the people in the towns were going to stay in their towns. Like there are people sinking roots into the ground. He's going around and he's going, I'm one guy. Like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I need people who are going to go into these places, okay, and sink roots down into this community. And he said, I've seen them. They're harassed and they're helpless. And he had compassion on them. And that's what's interesting is, is this whole verse goes away if we don't understand that, the very, that Jesus saw people and had compassion on them. What on earth does the gospel have to do with compassion? I mean, who cares? Just say it. Just like tell, right? That's, that's what Brent and Jennifer do in their, what, in their marriage. They're like, I don't care. I'm just going to tell you. Does that work? <laughs> yeah. Hey, honey, I know you know I love you, but, you know, I'm just going to tell you, you know. Can you imagine a family that does that? Jesus said, listen, here's what I'm talking about. I went town to town and I saw people and they're harassed and helpless. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. And I had compassion on them. That's the way Jesus, that was his starting point. And he saw this and had compassion on them and said, wow, the workers, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Isn't it interesting that Jesus sees abundance. We see scarcity. Isn't that interesting? In most things we do that. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. There's not enough open people. Like pretty much everything we do in our world is we see through the lens of scarcity. And Jesus goes, no, no, I see through the lens of abundance. I get three years on this earth. I see the harvest is plentiful. What, what are y'all looking at? Wow. And he's going around. Now, here's the thing. Here's the kicker for us. All right. Jesus went around and he saw people and he interacted with people in the community. This is what I want you to think about, okay? We live in Clemson, Pendleton, Central, whatever it is, in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex, in your dorm. How many of your neighbors do you know? How long have you lived there where you've just knocked on doors and just said, hey, can I, I'm your neighbor. Can, hey, we just moved in. Can I bring you some cookies? Hey, how many times do you go for a walk just to meet? How many of your neighbors do you know and you know them well enough that you can meet their needs? Really, how many of you are living in an apartment complex right now and you have no idea the four doors on your right and your left? You have no idea. They, they live 15 feet from you. And you spent 16 weeks this semester and you haven't said a word to them. You can't do the ministry of Jesus. You can go invite all the people you want on campus. <laughs> See, because that's our problem. We want like a plan and a program. And Jesus goes, no, no, I actually walked among the people. Like, I actually went and talked. I didn't just heal you. I had to talk to you enough to know there was something wrong. Like, I didn't just go and, like, didactically teach to you, like, everybody come and sit down so I can out lecture you, you know? He's like, no, I went around and I saw people. How many of y'all, a lot of y'all go to All In. How many of y'all know Vernon really well? Like, you've sat down and had a conversation with him. Good. Believe me, if you don't know him, all right, start getting to know him. Do you know Dinah? Have you talked to Dinah at all? Did you know Dinah's an actress? 
Did you know that she pl- she's in place? Do you know that she, do you ever, if you're in there long enough, do you stop and, and get to know the people who are serving us? And they serve us well. Do you know your barista at Starbucks? Do you know what's going on in their family? Do you, have you stopped long enough to go, hey, what's going on? How are you? Or do you go in and put your headphones on and forget about everyone else around you? And I'm saying, that's okay. Put your headphones in. Here's what I like to do, though. Take your headphones out and just walk around and talk to people. And that's a novel idea right there, you know? <laughs> Dude, that is so radical that you would do ministry like that. I'm like, golly, man. It's what Jesus did, okay? Like, we, no one has any value to us unless I invite you to church and you come to church. And I'm going, hold on a minute. Man, this group right here in a town like Clemson, you, that's all people would talk about. Like the handful, listen, there, I know that there is, a, there is a large contingency of folks sitting in this room that you do this in Clemson. And you know what's funny about Clemson? People talk about you guys. Like I'll go in and I'll say, hey, what about this? They're like, oh, you go to church with so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. I, I started working out with this guy. Like, oh, yeah, I know Brent Ashcraft. Yeah, I know his kids. They're awesome. And, you know, but it's this idea of there's this interaction And I'm wondering right here if we're thinking, oh, yeah, you see, the harvest is plentiful, and there's a bunch of slackers in here, and they don't just get it on straight. We need to go. Instead of going, hold up, do I know my neighbors? Do I know my neighbors? And why not? Would Jesus know your neighbors? Would he care about your neighbors? Would he care about the person in the dorm room next to you? Did you spend a whole year in the dorms, and you didn't know who the people on your floor were? Your RA. Your boss, any students here sit down with your teacher to get to know them. This is what Jesus did in this passage. This is what Jesus did. It wasn't a campaign. He's like, I'm just going through towns and I'm looking for people who are going to do what I did in your town. That's what he's looking for. If we don't see people and interact, like get out of my house and go interact. If I don't, if that doesn't happen, we can't just go, okay, I know the harvest is plentiful. If you can just blow the harvest over here (laughs) to us, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. But this is where this has to happen. If in your mind you're going, gosh, I really don't know my neighbor. I didn't talk to a teacher. I've just kind of taken coffees from the barista and put my headphones in. I don't know a single soul. I see them all the time at All In, but I'll never talk to them then the answer is just, man, I've got to repent if I'm going to do the ministry of Jesus. That's it. It's like, man, we are ambassadors of Jesus. All right? And so when people go, man, the ambassadors of Jesus are aloof, are not warm, are not caring. I come to church, and I don't see somebody I know, and I just keep it that way. Where do I go? Hold on a minute. Let me get over there. Welcome. Man, it's great to see you here. This is fantastic. Let me get out of was Jesus an introvert or an extrovert? Do you know? <laughs> you can't label him. Okay? What we do today is we're going, no, no, I get my energy away from people, and so I go and do this. And then when I'm around people, they steal my energy, and we have all this talk. And Jesus is going, you want to know what? Here's the truth about all human beings here. I don't. Listen, I know you're going to think I got a psychology degree, but I didn't. Okay? But all people, if you're around too many people for too long, you get tired. And if you're away from people too long, you get weird. Okay, and you want to know what? We need both. We need both. I'm not kidding you. We need both. Don't ever think that you don't need both. Okay, and so it's that idea. Yeah, when I'm at Disneyland all day, I'm like, dang, I'm tired by the end of the day. I want some peace and quiet. Well, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going up the mountain. 
I'm, I'm getting away with my people. I'm going camping. Okay, so was he an introvert or an extrovert? I don't know. But I don't, I mean, the thing for us is, is like, yeah, be with people. But if, if all you want is to be with people, then, hey, get alone and get kind of going with yourself and then vice versa. But don't, like, you got me on that? Like, that's the thing. You're going, like, you don't even know psychology, Keith. You're just a preacher. That's true. I'm just, I just know me. But I want to share this because one of the things that ends up happening when we hear this is, yeah, but when you do that, then you'll never tell them the truth. Like, if you did ministry like this. But Jesus didn't say he was just going and hanging out in town. It said he was proclaiming the good news. And that may be the challenge to us, is could I proclaim the good news in a way that wasn't like John the Baptist standing up on like a pulpit? Can I sit down? Do I have that skill set as a disciple to sit down and actually communicate the good news of Jesus and why it's good news to me? And that's what needs to be happening in our communities. Like people wondering like, well, how come you can be faithful? How come you can be positive? How come you're serving? How come you're talking to people is being able to do that? And so, so there's a couple of things that might need to get us started is number one, I just have to get out and amongst talking and loving and serving. And maybe I just have to ask that question. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Is there anything you need? Can I get the can I go get these cups for you over here at All In and bring them to you? Because I see you guys are busy. Can I help you with that? How can I help you? How can I serve? Maybe that's where we need to start. The next one is, is going, I don't even think it's good news. I just am angry at people. Like, that's the best way to share your faith, right? It's just like fastballs. Like, you're angry. <laughs> like, do you know you're a sinner? You go to hell? Go put your hand on the stove? Because, you know, that's what hell's going to be like, you know, and you're just like, you know, you're just like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, that actually happened one time. (laughs) He didn't put his hand on the stove, though. (laughs) But uh, but the thing is, is we go fastball and then we go, hold on a minute. If you live this way, the way Jesus did, you would never tell him the truth. But that's actually the opposite. Truth goes down so much easier when you're loved. It really does. You hear truth better when you know people love you. And here's the thing. As I was having coffee with Jacob yesterday, and Jacob was telling me this story, and I was like, that is exactly right, what you're sharing with me. And I was like, listen, I'm not even going to repeat that. I want Jacob to come up here because it was such a cool, like, what happened in his life that was the intersection of love and compassion and grace and truth, and not only that he that that happened but how he responded to that which was really cool so jacob come up here and kind of share that for us okay well didn't know i was getting mic'd this kind of changes things um but i became a freshman i became a christian my freshman year and they were like out of this whole church, like four, I think you, you four are the only people who were here, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was a very different church back then. It was really small, and really the relationships are what brought me in. Um, I had gone to a few different churches, and I just wanted to actually find some community. And so I came here, and I found that. And the thing that helped me really change over my first year as a Christian, because I grew up being very religious, so... I knew a lot of scriptures, um, I knew how to give the right answers and how to put on my Sunday face, but like behind the scenes everything was just a hot mess and it was 
like the just you know cuss people out when you're ticked off, punch someone in the face if they make you angry, do whatever you want, be inappropriate. But if you're at church, you don't do any of those things, and then you're totally good because that's what all of us at the church are doing. And that's that was kind of my mindset. It was like, oh, I'm just like everybody else in the church, so I'm fine. And so really, once I started coming out, and then you know people were getting in my life, and they would see things. But I had fun with these people, and there was love. So when they saw things and said something, it wasn't just this person who came into my life so that they could judge me. And that's what made all the difference. And the story I was sharing with Keith, uh, there was a couple, and it was funny. I liked this girl my freshman year, and I was just a complete numbskull with it. And then um, that summer we talked about things. It wasn't mutual. Then... uh, (laughs) This guy who I was becoming really close friends with, they ended up dating uh, that fall. And it wasn't a weird thing. Like, they actually, I loved spending time with them. Uh, I got past the girl, obviously. That would have been weird. But um, (laughs) I hung out with this dating couple. And really, just seeing their example of dating was huge for me. They'd both been Christians for a little bit longer than I had. And I saw that they just had a lot of fun together, and they actually loved me, and they wanted to bring me into things. And I'd moved off campus that year. Um, I was trying to get in-state tuition, so I was working full-time at Starbucks. And it was just weird. Like, all of a sudden, all my best friends on campus, they didn't have as much time. I wasn't seeing them. I didn't live with them anymore. And I just felt really lonely, and this dating couple just brings me along and I kind of third wheeled the whole year uh, but with the girl that I used to like I mean it's hilarious when you think about it but um, and then yeah so it's DJ and Stacy they live in Columbia and it's funny like DJ ended up being like one of the two best men in my wedding like we got really close but um, we had a lot of fun and just hang out and they would come pick me up and say hey we're just gonna go study or go get a bite to eat you want to join us and it was awesome because i I felt like they actually cared about me, and it wasn't because I was so clean-cut, because I was still a little messy around the edges, and they were having to help me along with things. But um, one specific situation that I was sharing with Keith, um, Stacy and I went for a run one day. We're running, and uh, it's like on these back roads, and I start telling her, like, yeah, there's this girl I like, and I know she's not a Christian, and I know that, like, when I spend time with her, like, I just don't feel like it's like really building me up and I'm kind of like wanting to go spend time with her and I know that she's not really interested in coming to church with me or anything and uh, like we just keep running and I'm like telling her all these things and kind of like oh man like maybe she'll be excited like I like this girl and maybe she'll have some good advice about how I can help this girl be like spiritual and instead um, she's like Jacob this girl is like Satan trying to pull you down into the pit (laughs) and I was like well, like we keep running, and she's like, "You need to stop talking to this girl right now. Like, don't text her anymore. Like, when you're at work, you can't flirt anymore." And because she knew that I was really flirtatious, and Stacy knew that because she saw me flirt with girls all the time, and she had to help me with it. But she, you know, these this couple, they were down in the weeds with me, so they knew what my life looked like, and they they'd help me get better and better. And I mean, not saying that I was perfect at the end of that year. I was still a bit of a mess, but it felt so different having these people talk to me because it was done out of love and um even i mean when i was coming out to church and i would do something that was like super inappropriate the girls wouldn't say whoa this guy's so inappropriate like we can't hang out with them they'd just be like whoa why'd you say that they're like why did you do that that's not okay and you know they didn't do it in this like 
weird, stiff way of, oh, well, you know, I didn't grow up doing stuff like that. <laughs> the guys at my house don't say things like that. And, you know, it's not like this weird thing. And so, I don't know, really just, like, what I want to share with you guys, like, especially for the campus students, like, people don't need another, like, weird kid in their class who's just like, um, hey, like, well, you know, I have quiet times. Do you have quiet times? Like, that, like that's not, I don't know if that's the kind of things that y'all say, but, like, don't. Like, I mean, talk about the Bible. And, like, these people, the reason that they made such an impact on me and really, I mean, I saw a lot of people become Christians who were super rough around the edges um, those first few years that I was a Christian. But it was because there was a culture of, like, hey, we just love you, and we're going to bring you along, and invite you into our group and we'll help you along the way we don't expect you to be perfect yet and that was what caused me to want to read the bible that was what caused me to want to actually follow god and make changes and i stopped texting that girl and now i'm married so (laughs) boom so stop texting bad girls you'll get married That's that's the point That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so I've been on a, I've been on two sides of the fence, especially when I love that. That, that was just very. I, I just love it. I, Jacob has a way of telling stories too. It's fantastic. Um, so I'll kind of share with you a little bit of my experience. Even as we've had talks like this in church, like when I was a young disciple, and I've been a disciple almost twenty years now, and I've been on two sides of the fence. One side of the fence is I, I would hear what Jacob said, and I'm like, "You see what?" Uh, and, and just super critical and super like you know hateful, and and I don't even like that, and that's just so stupid and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've been on that side, and I've been on the other side before too, where I've been like, "Wow, man, I am so glad he just said that, because that isn't kind of what I'm doing in my life. Like that's not what I'm." adding to the group. That's not what I'm like living like. And I want you to hear this because I'm not kidding you. The, the list, the list that I could go down, I know, and a number of you guys could go down of folks, you want to know what, when you were young Christians, and when I say young, I mean one, two, three years old as a Christian, messy. Before I became a disciple, messy. And, and, and here's the deal is, you know what Jesus does well that we can do better? is going, hey, you know, messy people, come on. Come on, walk with us. See, that's hospitality. Let's add a chair to the table. Instead of going, hold on a minute, the table is pure. No, no, the table is holy. Don't add a chair to the table. Jesus is like, my, my table's full of tax collectors. My table's full of sinners. My table's full of these things. You're going, but Keith, no, 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 you can't just be soft on sin. I'm going, okay, but is Jesus soft on sin? All right. Amen. Hmm. But my thing about it is, is we've got to embody this. We've got to hear, um, you know, some of the things I think of is our, in Tallahassee, we had six interns, and they were all baptized out of the campus ministry. And of our six interns, all of them, if you knew them when they were first disciples, you would go, they aren't Christians. <laughs> they are so messy, and they don't know the words and the vocabulary, and they don't know all of that stuff. But here's the thing is, is that I have seen over and over and over again, is when you are loved in the context of following Jesus, you all know what? We can have real talks with one another. And we can talk about serious things. And we can say things like, dude, stop. Stop texting. Okay? Without a relationship, that just sounds like a slave driver. I mean, you're just like, stop it. You know, but you're like, oh, dang, you're right. 
because, because you love me and because I love you. Yeah. Because you're a part of the fabric of this culture. And it's, it's that idea. That's what Jesus is saying. My church has to be that way. My church can't be the church that's like, let me put up six hurdles in front of you before I'll accept you into the church. Okay? Like, seriously. And this may be so mind-blowing that this... Slow down and let's learn from Jesus. And be this way, okay? He, he, He says right at the beginning, he went from town to town. He saw they were harassed and helpless. He talked, preaching, teaching, healing. He heard them. He met their needs. He saw them and had compassion on them. And he says this, pray. Pray that God sends workers into his harvest field. Okay, because he says, hold on, my, my dad, that's what Jesus is saying. My dad sends. My dad gives purpose. My dad gives purpose to your life. My father in heaven will give you purpose, but pray that he sends workers. And that's the thing is we have to remember, these guys weren't aware that very soon after this, they were the ones that were going to be sent. <laughs> okay. And he said, no, God sends you. And if we don't have that mindset of every time I'm out of my bed, I get out of bed and I'm going, hold on, God sent me. God sent me to this family I'm in. God sent me to this neighborhood I'm in. God sent me to this coffee shop I'm going to. God sent me to this classroom. I'm going as a sent person of of God going, I've seen the people. They're harassed and helpless. And just looking at them, you're not going to know that. Like you're going to have to get in there and talk to them. But that's going to be something that we may have to like our mindset of going, hold on a minute. I am sent. Like everywhere I go, I've said, and, and if you want an easy way to meet your neighbors, bake them something. Food goes a long ways. When we lived in South Florida, our neighbors had this, it was a fraternity, basically. It was like 25 guys living in like a three-bedroom house, this, this fraternity house, and it was awesome. Our kids actually loved watching the parties they would put on <laughs> next door, you know. And I'm sitting here going, great, we live next door to a frat house in South Florida. This is not going to be good. This is, and so what did Abby do? Baked them some cookies, and they became like our best friends in the entire neighborhood. Like, they were having a party. They'd come over, and they're like, listen, please, we're going to have a party, but we're going to be respectful. But if anything happens, come and talk to us before you call the police and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, it was all those kind of things, but they knew. I mean, it was just, it was so simple. You bring food to a bunch of guys, and they're just like, oh, we love you. This is so great. You must be from Jesus, right? And, 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 but here's the thing is, is make that a habit. Okay, neighbors, classmates, teachers, okay. Jesus, here's the thing about it is, you want to know what? Jesus was involved. He was involved with lots, and he invested in few. I want you to think about that, okay? I mean, sometimes we get overwhelmed because we're like, if I talk to that many people, I'm going to have to somehow invest in 35 people. Jesus is like, no. I mean, Jesus invested in really three guys, but he was involved with the community. He was involved. We're going to see next week how he teaches to do that. Amen. He's going to teach them specifically how to do that. But don't feel like, oh, if I did that, I would be so overwhelmed. You wouldn't be. You really wouldn't be. Because he's not saying that you're going to spend 30, you know, you're going to fill up your 24 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to meet the needs of 35,000 people that you met. That's not it at all. But it's how you do ministry. Amen. And then you're going to pray to invest in a few. Okay, this is what he's calling us to do. This is the talk Jesus would have with us. At this point in following him, he would go, guys, come here. Look around. If you're not seeing the world, people compassionately, if you don't realize you're sent, if you don't realize, man, and, and, and sending roots down into your community to really be like me, man, we need more workers. He's saying the, there's plenty. There is plenty out there. 
let's talk, let's get in there. It's going to be a little bit messy. It might even be a little bit slower, but that's when we walk with God.